Hey, we needed a bug bounce back week, and it's starting off with a bang. Auburn finally ends the defensive coordinator search, and we talk about at the end of the day, are we better now defensively and are we better now offensively moving into 2024 than we were the previous year? I'm pumped. It's episode 14 of the Top Button Podcast, so button up and let's get uh, rolling. But before we get started, we got to give a shout-out to our boy, Ford Stokes at Active Wealth Management, activewealth.com. Reach out to him today. We've already got listeners uh, calling, getting their customized uh, plans put together. Not a cookie-cutter plan. Uh, there, He's going to take your goals, your what your desires are, and he's going to put a plan together to help get you where you want to be. Stop. You've worked hard to earn your money, so let Ford protect that and help it grow uh, throughout the years uh, to get you where you want to be uh, at the end of the race. So, Reach out for him today, activewealth.com, Ford Stokes. Tell him more eagle. He's a big Auburn guy, and he's lo- he loves to help uh, everybody, but especially uh, Auburn people as well. So tell him I sent you. Uh, that's Active Wealth Management, Ford Stokes, uh, activewealthmanagement.com. All right, guys, the wait is finally over. I waited so late to record this, to, <laughs> to record this show, and, and it paid off. Auburn finally has a completed – uh, football coaching staff. They finally made uh, the hire that we've been waiting on, uh, and that is uh, former Texas A&M defensive coordinator uh, DJ Durkin, a seasoned veteran uh, in the SEC, uh, and what we wide was kind of widely thought of as maybe your one B or two uh, in this coaching search uh, to uh, Chris Kiffin uh, of the. Um, uh, Houston Texans. So I'm going to be honest, guys. This is not a homer. This is not being just a complete, complete bug uh, at all. But from the time his name surfaced, uh, I was all in. I wanted him from the time his name surfaced. Uh, I, tr- I showed public support uh, because I always trust Hugh in, in, in the decisions he makes. Uh, if Chris, is Chris, if if Chris Kiffin was the guy, I was going to be fired up for him. I could see the appeal. I understand he's got a great lineage. Uh, he's got a, uh, a, a incredible amount of experience in the NFL. They don't just hire – there's only 32 defensive line coaches in the NFL. Okay, it's not like there's just hundreds of dudes, hundreds of bums they just throw in there. There's the elite of the elite when it comes to coaching, and he's worked with some of the best uh, for multiple teams. Uh, and I get it. I don't know that I'd if I got one of those jobs. I don't think I'd ever want to leave. I mean, you don't have to recruit. Uh, you you get to go home at three o'clock every day, and you only work about six seven months out of the year. So it was always going to be a tough pull. You, I always questioned whether he was still going to have the fire to want to get out and recruit, but I always trusted Hugh there. I always trusted Hugh because the pressure's on him after this, uh, you know, perceived a little bit of a, a on-field setback at six and seven. Um, you knew the, how important this upcoming year was, so I was good with if it was going to be Chris Kiffin. I was going to get fired up. I was going to bug because I kind of felt like, you know, he's going to hit the trail hard. Uh, with Hugh, and then you 
you couple him with Charles Kelly, and that could be a dynamic team. But the guy that I wanted was also the guy that Nick Saban wanted before he retired. DJ Durkin would have been your defensive coordinator at Alabama had Saban not made the last-minute decision to, uh, you know, call it quits uh, and hang it up. Um, they were pushing hard for him. He hired him shortly after he was let go from Maryland as an uh, um, as sort of like a con defensive consultant. It was late in the process, so he couldn't really hire him as an on-field coach. So he hired him sort of as a consultant, a defensive consultant, grad assistant, whatever you want to call it. Uh, very, very well-respected um, defensive coach. Uh, had a ton of success uh, at Florida. Had a ton of had a, had a great year as a defensive coordinator at Michigan. Um, he improved the Ole Miss defense incredibly um, under Lane Kiffin uh, the first two seasons. He took over. That roster was a mess. They were a mess. He takes them from 14th in scoring defense all the way to eighth in one season. Then, you know, the toxic environment that is working for Lane Kiffin, he gets out of there, goes to work at Texas A&M, has two great years after uh, Mike Elko leaves to go to Duke. Uh, he's there two years. The def defense was not the issue there. The def defense was not the issue. And not only was the defense good, they were good with no help from the offense. Texas A&M's offense the last two years was putrid. Now, some of that was injuries with quarterbacks and things like that, but most of it was just the dinosaur offense that Jimbo Fisher ran, uh, ran it all the way until he ran right out of a job. So, but, but the constant there, now they had a great roster and they recruited well, but you still got to produce. Uh, and DJ Durkin was uh, fantastic at Texas A&M, and now you're going to bring him in uh, to, to Auburn uh, and sort of make this staff, like be the finishing piece on this staff that is an absolute all-star uh, staff from recruiting to development to, you know, on the field results. Uh, I just don't think you could assemble much, a much better staff than what Auburn has uh, on, on defense from top to bottom. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very exciting. This is, this is big. I think Hugh really had to fight uh, for DJ. Uh, you know, unfortunately there's still some stuff hanging Um some of it I get, most of it I don't from the situation, the tragedy that happened uh, in 2008. I just don't feel like, um, you know, uh, although it was a tragedy, uh, that you, you shouldn't be brandished as that is that is who you are, you know, for the rest of for the rest of your life, especially when you've been you were found to not have any involvement whatsoever. You were you were let go. Um with your whole buyout. In other words, it was found that you'd had nothing to do with any of it. Um, so again, he fought for him uh, and adding him to this staff is just, just absolutely massive. Just let's just talk about it for a second. Okay. Up front, you have Jeremy Garrett who signed an unbelievable defensive line class in his first year. He got a five-star uh, defensive end in Amaris Williams. Uh, and then you got your two or three guys on the interior. Um, coming off uh, the year prior, um, and then you look at the development from the off the defensive line and you see you see uh, um, Keldrick Falk and him be able to blossom as a freshman. You see uh, Marcus Harris take his game to a completely different level. 
you got all that going on. And then for 2025, you already have four incredibly highly rated, big, big defensive linemen. We're talking beef, the epitome of hulking super teams. Uh, Jeremy Garrett is a blossoming star. It'll be a hard, it'll be really hard to keep him uh, much longer than past this year because there are going to be uh, defensive coordinator spots, uh, I feel like, thrown at this guy or big-time money uh, people coming after him to be their defensive line coach because he is an absolute budding star, like absolute star. Then you got another budding star, Josh Aldridge, who just signed possibly the best linebacker class in the history of Auburn. Uh, and not only that, uh, you see Eugene Asante, who couldn't even make it off of the practice squad uh, you know, for the previous staff, is, is, is now we were worried he was going to go to the NFL after one season. Uh, you, you had some bad luck with uh, Austin Keys and his injury, but he looked great, got him out of the portal. He's going to be a big factor this year. And then you throw these young guys in, man, oh, man. Uh, and then the, the outside linebackers also, the freshman class that he brought in, you, you know, you have your um, uh, uh, Jamonta Waller, um, and then you have your Joseph Phillips, guys that can play uh, multiple positions uh, at linebacker, just star-studded, uh, and you're already uh, seeing Auburn in the mix with some big names um, at linebacker for uh, 2025. So Josh Aldridge, he could have been – uh, he could have gotten the uh, U, uh, UCF uh, defensive coordinator job um, at uh, you know for Gus, and he you know he's that caliber. He's that caliber of a guy that every single year there's going to be schools coming at him to be a defensive coordinator. It's he, we're going to lose him eventually, but you know for now you got him for another year, hitting the road, recruiting hard, and developing these linebackers and pass rushers. Absolutely phenomenal. You got uh, crime. Wesley McGriff, seasoned veteran, uh, another guy that just relationships. Dude just knows how to have how to create relationships. Um, he knows how to recruit these kids. He knows how to just uh, how to have that connection. And and you got him again. He's a, he's also had NFL experience as a defensive backs coach. I mean, so you got the development aspect and the recruiting aspect. You had Charles Kelly into the mix. What else can you say about Charles Kelly? I mean, you've seen you just Google Charles Kelly and all-time commit list and and then put on your sunglasses cuz there's stars everywhere. There's stars everywhere uh and now he's going to be finally home uh at Auburn uh where he where he played and you know where he may want to retire. You know, he may be a guy that just may never want to leave, and he's going to give everything he's got uh, for the Auburn Tigers. So another great, great recruiter, great developer. Guy spent several years uh, working for Nick Saban, worked with Mark Stoops a lot at Florida State, uh, just been around a lot of great defensive coaches, um, and uh, he's going to be a massive, massive asset. And then again, and then finally, you cap it all off with your, uh, your with DJ Durkin, who's got some familiar familiarity a little bit. Um, he was at Ole Miss, I believe, as a linebackers coach um, before he was with. I think that I don't know if he was under Hugh. I think he would have been under Hugh uh, 
but I think he was actually under um his uh gosh what is his name the um the guy that took over right after Hugh his his name I'm I'm losing his name for a second the offensive line coach who became a um who became a uh, who became a um, head coach? I, I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I may be missing some details there, but uh, you add him wealth of experience uh, at, uh, in the SEC. Spent a lot of time at Florida, a lot of time at uh, you know Ole Miss, uh, Texas A&M. So just a huge, huge addition. Um, and again, I had the heart to heart the other uh, last week about. Um, about uh, the whole DJ Durkin incident at, at Maryland, and uh, I just encourage you to not look at, uh, not look at sound bites, not look at zingers on Twitter. Don't worry about trying to win the Twitter war. Don't worry about trying to win the uh, group text war. Okay, do your research. It doesn't take long, and you'll find out. Number one, you cannot fire a guy. Uh, for cause, and you don't fire a guy for cause who's responsible for something and then pay them their full buyout. Number two, coaches are not typically involved in summer workouts. That's just not the head coach's deal. That's your strength and conditioning coach. And then number three, did, did, did he request the extra medical um, assistance uh, extra medical staff and was denied. Look all that up. It doesn't take long to look it up. I don't care about toxic this, toxic that. That's that's code word for I don't want to work very hard. He's a hard coach. Uh, I don't want to work hard. Okay. That and it that's been that's never been an issue anywhere other than the one spot he was at. Um and it's and again what happened was awful, but look, do your research. Don't worry about trying to win. Don't worry about what other teams are going to have to say because those teams, those fans, uh, their their coaches more than likely vetted him out and were looking at hiring him. Okay, again, Alabama. He would have been. He first of all, they hired him immediately after the uh, incident in Maryland after he was let go, and then they tried to hire him again before Nick Saban retired. So if, if it's Alabama fans you're worried about, they tried to hire him. They've, they've hired him once and tried to hire him again. Okay, so look, do your research. Absolutely fantastic hire, fantastic defensive staff. Could not be more excited about this defensive staff, top to bottom. The boog bounce back week we needed. This is what we needed. We needed after we had the two basketball losses, after we, you know, seemingly watched Ryan Williams. recommit to the school he's been committed for three years and it was a you know supposedly a big loss uh you know we had to watch all this happen not a lot of positive momentum on the uh defensive coordinator search we needed the bounce back and we got it let's be fired up uh let's get fired up over this because uh we got us a good uh we got us a great defensive staff all right before we just go ahead and continue this book on and look at the roster and are we better defensively now that uh, essentially all the signing uh, all the signings are over before spring um, uh, high school's done portals done are we better now going into spring off uh, defensively and are we better uh, going into spring offensively uh, but before we do that let's give a shout out to plainscoffee.com use coupon code button for 10 percent 
off. Look, you can go to Sam's Club, you can go to wherever you want to go, and you can stock up on old warehouse coffee that's been sitting in the warehouse for months and weeks, or you can have your coffee freshly ground the day before it ships. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Check out plainscoffee.com, save 10%, and you can get all different kinds of coffee. You can get the Colombian, you can get the dark roast, you can get the medium roast, you can get the light roast. And if you don't like coffee, you can get teas. They have teas as well. So um, check them out, show them some love, use coupon code button, and then save some money while you're at it. So plainscoffee.com. All right. Since we've had a little bit of defensive flavor, let's just keep it going. Let's just keep it going. All right. We had a fairly, I would say, a um, a very competitive, I think that's the best word to, talk, to describe it, competitive defense uh, last year. They took huge strides from the year prior. Um, the defense most of the year was not the issue, was not the issue really ever. And a lot of times – uh, when they did have issues, it was because they were just continuously left out to dry uh, by the offense. So the imagining that we could be better defensively than last year is kind of tough because I feel like we played really, really well. We're losing some guys that are going to play uh, on Sundays uh, as well. So just start at the bottom, defensive line. Marcus Harris is going to be a big loss. Okay, because he was the most disruptive. He was the most um, – he gave you the most punch, the most I can make a tackle for loss. He, he, I can – I can. you know, he was – a lot of times he was some of your biggest pass rush, and it was from the interior, and he's gone. Uh, he's he's, he's going to take his, you know, chances and, and see what happens in the NFL. Um, and I don't feel like on the interior – you necessarily brought in anybody that can replicate uh, what Marcus did um, as many snaps as he did uh, throughout the game. Uh, I don't know that you necessarily brought in anybody uh, at that caliber right away. But that does not necessarily mean that you can't be uh, disruptive, that you can't make plays uh, in other ways. Okay? So – you got Keldrick Falk, who's an absolute freak, who's going to have another another year of development. Um, I don't necessarily think he's going to move into that um, Marcus Harris role, but from his regular role at defensive end, he's an absolute monster. And now you just got another year of him getting better and better and better working under Jeremy Garrett. Um, I think with the, the with the players you added. Um, you maybe can get similar production, maybe even better uh, if uh, some of the guys you brought in, like a Trill Carter, can play that true nose and let Jason uh, Jason Jones play the Marcus Harris position. You may can move guys around. You may get one of these younger guys that can make some plays. You possibly have, let's just say, you have maybe a more athletic, a more talented um defensive line this year you can look at it just from a sheer star perspective uh this year than you did uh last year i like the two uh additions in the portal trill carter a guy that can play the the marcus harris role maybe could slide over play a little head up nose free jason jones up and then you got gage keys who can play 
maybe multiple multiple positions, maybe not necessarily be a um, superstar, but a guy that can be very, very effective and then can sub in. You maybe not see just uh, a massive drop-off. So, no, I don't think that if you go position by position, I don't think we have anybody that can can necessarily outperform what Marcus Harris did. But as a collective group, I think we can be a better defensive line uh, than we were last year. Linebackers, I, I Austin Keys being out most of the season really, really hurt us because I think you know we loved uh, we loved Eugene Asante, but I think Austin Keys was probably our best linebacker, our, our most talented linebacker on the roster. So you get Keys back, you get Asante back, which was a big win to keep him uh, from going to the NFL, and then you got all of these young freaks uh, coming in that can play uh, anywhere. You got Demarcus Riddick, who they're going to have to tranquilize this child to keep him off the field because he's an absolute monster. He was a monster in bowl practices. He's a, he's a monster early in workouts. Like he was so good and so fast in bowl practices. They're like, man, should we put him at safety? Like should, give him a shot at safety? Like the kids, the, one of the fastest players on the field, like you got that caliber athlete at six, two, six, three, two twenty, uh, you know, that can play linebacker and, you know, maybe even, you know, play some safety at times. I don't necessarily think he's going to play safety, but he's that athletic. He's that athletic. So uh, you got a linebacker room. I'm going to say it's going to be a better linebacker room. You're th I feel like your third linebacker at Dorian Maosi is going to be better than your third linebacker from this past season. So I love the linebacker room. Corner. Okay. So corner may be the first position maybe the first position that you can say could possibly take a step back, okay? And what's funny is, but from a recruiting standpoint, it's insanely higher rated, okay? So DJ James uh, and Nehemiah Pritchett were both three-star um, in-state guys. Um, DJ goes to, uh, goes to Oregon. Uh, Nehemiah obviously comes to Auburn, but both of them developed very well. They have great measurables, uh, and they're both going to be NFL players. They're both going to test really well uh, at the Combine. Uh, they're probably both going to perform really well this week at the Senior Bowl, uh, and they're both going to uh, they're both going to get drafted. So obviously, you've got to think you're going to take a step down, but but you're adding. Uh, Kay and Lee, who it was hard to keep him off the field this year, a top 150, top 200 type, four, high four-star player from Georgia, and then going into his second year. And then Antonio Kite, who when he was coming out in 2022, he would have been the highest-rated commit of our whole class, our whole recruiting class. Okay? So you're adding a, a top a two, essentially – you got two top 150, top 200 type uh, players uh, on both sides, uh, and then you have um, then you have um, Keontae Scott uh, coming back as well. So, you know, I mean, he's not necessarily an outside corner. He could be your nickel guy. He could be your outside guy, and maybe one of the other guys plays nickel. But regardless, so. You feel like from an NFL perspective, NFL-ready perspective, you may have taken a step back. But from a 
recruiting perspective, from a ranking uh, perspective out of high school, you have a vastly more talented on paper uh, uh, corner corner room. And then not to mention your guys like Jay Crawford uh, and uh, Amon Lane Gaines coming in, guys that can play nickel or corner uh, that are extremely highly rated. So, yes, you may take a slight step back. Uh, you may take a slight step back from like ready-made talent, NFL talent, ready to go, but the potential may be vastly higher. The potential there, the, 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 the higher end may be vastly higher. So excited to see how these young corners, nickels, how all this plays out. I think you got uh, very, very – you're very, very rich on uh, recruited – like high recruiting uh, talent, high recruiting ranking talent. Uh, and that'll be fun to watch uh, play out. Safety room. Um, you know, when we lost Jalen Simpson, I was concerned that uh, that would be uh, a – that I, I just didn't know that you're going to be able to find somebody to replace the production that Jalen Simpson gave you because he was an absolute superstar. He's a true – a guy that truly played his way, I think, into the NFL – uh, this past year, you know, he started off the game like an interception for the first four games. Uh, and then you had Zion Puckett, who, you know, we probably scratched our heads at times and we were, you know, frustrated at times. But it's because he's so he played so much. He played so many snaps because there's nobody else really that was ready behind him. To, to play, I think you you had him spelled a few times with uh, with Caleb Wooden, um, but none of the other young guys really got in. So Zion was on the field for every single snap. I think if you look, he may have played more snaps than any player uh, on the defense. He was an Iron Man, so that in and of itself is going to be tough to replace. Uh, just somebody that's you know that knows uh, knows how to you know make plays, knows how to, uh, I guess, play that position in the SEC and then play it uh, and have the conditioning to play it and not come off the field. So um, you got those two guys, you lose both of those guys, and you have essentially nothing but young, young unproven guys that are coming back. Uh, you had Sylvester Smith, who had a great bowl game. You got Tyler Scott. You have um, – Colton Hood, you got a lot of these young guys, and then you have a very talented freshman class coming in, but you just didn't have that. You did not have that Jalen Simpson experience. Uh, you got Laquan Robinson, who's a head buster from junior college, but you just never know how that transition works. Uh, I feel like he's going to be on the field day one. So they go out and you add Jaron Thompson, who is about as close, I think, as you can get to Jalen Simpson without being – Jalen Simpson himself, okay? Where Jalen Simpson excels athletically over Jaron Thompson, Jaron Thompson excels with experience. He's played a ton of football games. He's played a ton of college football. He's going into his fifth year. He had three interceptions last year, one big game ceiling one uh, against Alabama. Uh, this isn't like it was just some backup dude. This is a guy that's played hard uh, at Texas for four years. Uh, and he's going to bring a wealth of experience, um, a wealth of experience into the defensive backfield. He's the perfect final piece to add. So all in all, from top to bottom, 
no book. Just, just, I mean, just take what I've gone, just, just take everything I've gone through. You're going to have, I feel like, a better athletic defense than you had the year prior. Now, could you take a step back on the uh, in the secondary? Sure. Could you take a step back, possibly um, growing pains at corner? Sure. But when you got the defensive line like it's at, you got another year of Jalen McLeod uh, at edge with your two young guys, and then you got that stacked um, top head, t- uh, the the starting two top head, starting three linebackers. Your your one, two, and three linebacker are dudes that have played a lot of football, and then you got these young studs. Your front seven. Uh, are going to be are going to be very very good, uh, and then you throw in Jaron Thompson with the experience of safety. I just think top to bottom, you're going to have a better chance at a better defensive roster than you had the year prior. And then you know, from a defensive play calling standpoint, I think it's probably going to be a, a a wash, a wash to maybe a, a slight upgrade uh, with DJ Durkin. So overall, I think you could probably have a better defense top to bottom than you had the year prior if that young talented those young, talented corners perform to their rankings. So something to be excited about. Offense. Look, you can just – we can go a million different directions with offense, okay? But by uh, bottom line is there's nothing you can compare. Uh, there's nobody out there that you can compare to being a better play caller uh, that, than – that you could go get than, than you got with Hugh Freeze. Uh, and it's already out. He is going to be your primary play caller. He's going to be your captain. Everything's going to run through him. Everything's going to run through Hugh Freeze. Right there, you got better. Right there, you got better, no matter what you add uh, on the roster. You know, you, you know right off the bat when you start from game one, from practice for one, you know you're on a better – uh, road for offense than you were the year prior. And you don't have to, you know, you don't really have to look further than just look at the way some of the different games played out when it was clear that Hugh Freeze had the play sheet. The play sheet was in front of his mouth. He was calling plays. You can look at how uh, the offense looked against, um, you know, Alabama at times, how the offense looked against Georgia, the running game, how we were able to run and mix in just enough passing to be effective. And then, uh, a few of those uh, SEC uh, road games where we kind of just really put it together and started throwing the ball down the field, throwing it around. Um, I just think when you, when he's the ultimate driver, uh, he there's not many play callers out there that are better than him, really. And, and it's been that way his his whole career. He's just a offensive mind, uh, a guy that just he's a feel type play caller. Got to be in a rhythm. It's hard to just pick up in the middle of the game or pick up in the middle of a season is something that when it's his and and it's 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 growing and flowing through him he's he's one of the best he's one of the best in the college game so um right off the bat you know you're going to be in such a better position because Hugh Freeze is calling plays i know i did play calling last uh, with with defense, but you can't start talking about the offense and, and the track they're going to be on without pointing out the fact that Hugh Freeze is going to be your captain. He's going to be the one uh, calling uh, calling the plays, slinging the ball down the field. So uh, right there, you got to be excited. Offensive line, 
I think the offensive line has an opportunity to be exponentially better uh, than last year. Connor Lou, one more year, uh, he was already uh, blossoming towards the end of the year. He's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, you get to have him for at least no, – you're not going to have him longer than two more years, but at least two more years uh, at center. You added Percy Lewis from the portal, which makes two more positions on your offensive line better because Dylan Wade's going to slide in. Uh, and more than likely, he's going to displace one of the better guards to the other side, whichever one they decide. Uh, and then you got too tall uh, on the right side that can compete with, you know, a Tyler Johnson uh, and uh, uh, is it a Dylan Alfred, um, uh, you know, the guy, the Juco All American that you brought in. Uh, so you got options uh, and adding Percy Lewis, if he stays healthy, man, what it does to this offensive line. You could have a unbelievably uh, unbelievably good offensive line. You look at last year, um, I think that I saw a stat that said it, it rated like the top 50 or in the country or something like that uh, in percentage of failed run plays. In other words, how many times did our run plays, the blocks – were were the blocking assignments were failed as an offensive line, uh, which caused the the run not to necessarily work uh, work at a at the uh, I guess work at the uh, level that they would consider it a pass or a fail. Okay, so in run plays, Auburn's offensive line was like sixth in the country in in percentage of failed uh, run plays, just almost just almost never missed assignments that they were that they were that that's how good of an offensive line coach Jake Thornton is. Uh, and it's uh, they get the vast majority of those guys are coming back. And then you just add, like I said, add Percy and it just makes that whole line uh, better. So very excited about offensive line running backs. You kept everybody. You didn't lose anybody. You didn't add anybody because you didn't have to. Didn't lose anybody. You almost lost um, your, your Brian Batie. He went in the portal, but he ultimately came back. That's your kickoff returner now. Your ch uh, a change of pace guy. Um, that that when he got in, he did he did really well. And then you got your three bell cows. I don't know how you're going to give them carries. I don't know how you're going to keep Jeremiah Cobb off the field. I don't know how you're going to keep Austin off the field. And then uh, Jarquez, who is who's your who's your man? Who hopefully. Um, He's he's you know gonna he's going to take his leadership role seriously this year and he's gonna be ready to go game one uh, and uh, we're just gonna move forward uh, that running back room is 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 going to be so strong so probably the strongest group on the of the whole team uh, so that that is very exciting and I, I just hope that it it would be it would be hard to imagine that I just don't know how you keep everybody happy like. Could somebody leave after spring? Wouldn't shock me. I hope it, I hope that doesn't happen. But man, that is a talented, talented running back room. Uh, I just hope everybody stays healthy. You know, Demari Austin got banged up a little bit last year, um, but you know, if somebody does, you, you're so deep. You got somebody right, uh, right there, ready to step in. So, what a great running back room that we that we have. Um, wide receivers. I mean, there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> there's nowhere to go but up. They were, um, you know, honestly a little, kind of pitiful last year. So I would say uh, 
without a doubt, the worst wide receiver group in the SEC. Um, and a lot of those were transfers, um, late spring spring additions that, you know, either were missed evals or there just wasn't anybody there. Uh, bad luck with injuries with, you know, Jair Shorter and um, Nick Mardner both got, kind of got banged up. And, uh, and then guys that have been here for a while, particularly on the outside, that just haven't taken that next step with, you know, Coy Moore, Camden Brown, uh, your slot guys have always kind of been there. You know, your Jay Fairs has always been a good player. Uh, you lose Javarius Johnson. Uh, so Jay Fairs coming back. Uh, you got Caleb uh, Burton, who who showed flashes at time times, but there's got to be help on the outside. It can't just be – you can't run all your whole offense with no threat on the outside and then just throw it to your slot guys. Like, you can't do that because then you just – leave one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside because they can't win their battles and then crowd up the middle of the field and it just makes it makes it tough, makes it tough. So you add – the minute this child steps on campus, he is the best receiver in the room, and that's that's Cam Coleman. He's that good. He's so good I did a whole segment on him. I'm, you're talking – finally you got a guy who – it's, it's not hoping and, and wishing – He's done it at, at the highest level in Alabama. He's done it at the highest level in the All-Star Games. And now he's gotten bumped all the way up to the number three overall player, uh, not wide receiver, player in the whole country. You know, we have 50 states, uh, and then there's high schools in all those 50 states. Uh, you take all those kids uh, and, and, you spread, and, and you give them all a ranking, he's number three in the whole country. Okay, I don't even know how many high school players that is. It's a it's a crap load of them, <laughs> and he, he's the number three of, of all of them. Uh, he's going to be absolutely un unbelievable uh, in this offense. A true outside wide receiver that's going to be six three, one hundred and ninety to two hundred pounds that can go up over you, can go around you, and then he can run by you. And just adding him, if he can stay healthy, what that does to the offense and the pressure it takes off of everybody else is, is, is incredible. It's invaluable. You got Bryce Kane, unbelievable slot guy, uh, that, 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 that gives you a whole nother dimension of, of speed, um, and, and, and hands like had over 1300 yards receiving. Like he's, he's just a freak. He's here early. Uh, and then you got your Perry Thompson's and your Malcolm Simmons dudes that can score from anywhere on the field. You're going to be young. You're going to be young, but you're going to be the most talented you've been probably since maybe the early 2000s. Maybe, maybe that one year of Duke uh, and, and Sammy Coates, uh, 2014. That was a pretty solid one-two punch. But you got a room now that is just going to be incredibly, incredibly talented. Uh, you go from there, you go to tight ends, you got Rivaldo back. You got every tight end that's like ever played at Auburn comes back this year. <laughs> you got like five tight ends, dudes that can that are that are great in the run, uh, great at block, uh, you know, pushing, pushing the pile, great at getting, getting uh getting some forward momentum uh, in the run game. And then you got your big man Rivaldo Fairweather, who's an NFL tight end. NFL tight end. He's he had a few drops last year, but uh guy, a guy that if you can if you can, he was the leading receiver. He's a guy that if you can at least give another possible weapon uh, opposed to him on the field at the same time, if you got options and then you got him out there who can run faster than a lot of DBs and he's 6'5, 240, 250, that's uh, 
that's a freaky, freaky weapon you got there. Um, and when you can't just key in on him 100%, what can he possibly do? And then you have, obviously, the, the, the most controversial, I guess the most talked about room is the quarterback room, the quarterback room. And, you know, I understand where everyone's coming from. I get where you're coming from on Peyton Thorne. I totally get it. There were times where I was incredibly frustrated. There were times where I was disgusted, quite frankly. Um, but I, again, I cannot decide. I can't. I haven't been able to to, to pinpoint yet. Is it the is it just purely Peyton Thorne, or was it the whole situation of uh, the way the offense was back and forth, the way it was you know, supposed to be handed off to Philip Montgomery. And then the whole relationship between him and Hugh and in the passing back and forth, because there were times when he was very effective. Um, there was times when he looked super conf confident running the ball. There was times when he looked super confident ripping it down the field. And then there was times where he would throw interceptions that are just absolutely inexcusable. So with all that being said, does that just necessarily mean he can't be better? Does that mean that when with Hugh as as the one hundred percent captain of the offense, running him one more full spring uh, and summer with through, through just his system, does that mean that he that it's impossible for him to get better and maybe pop, get back to some of that you know 2022, 20, uh, 2021 form that he had at Michigan State? It's not impossible. It's not impossible. Um, and it's also not impossible that we don't run through spring and see what happens. And uh, we may lose a guy to the portal and we may pick up a guy from the portal to add uh, to the room. So uh, and then you got the the mystery around uh, Hank Brown and, and what he could possibly be. I mean, he's already got the size uh, and we saw him uh, show a little bit of spark in the bowl game. Is, was that a was that a um, you know flash in the pan uh, type thing, or is that something that can be built off of? Um, so probably the the only group I feel like that you have a big question mark around is probably the quarterback room, and, and most of that um, I can't quite make up my mind if it's the quarterbacks on the roster or if it's uh, you know or is it was it the the whole offensive situation from last year. Um, so that's going to be very interesting uh, to watch in spring. So if you really look at it, I think overall from a the from the defensive side, you got your rock star defensive staff, and then I just think you're more talented. I think you're more athletic on the defense uh, than you were last year. And then on offense, by default, you're going to be better because your offense is going to have an identity and it's going to be running through one guy. And that one guy is one of the best play callers, uh, offensive play callers that's, you know, in college football, in college football. If you can if you can sure up the question mark and be serviceable at quarterback between all your other skill guys, your new young skill guys, your running back room, your tight ends. Uh, you can be a pretty potent offense. And, I, I mean, you can't be worse. <laughs> you can't be worse. So, I feel like by default, you got a top-to-bottom uh, better team. We didn't even go to into special teams, but um, top-to-bottom, I think you got a potential for a lot of booging uh, this upcoming uh, football season. So, let's see how the spring plays out. We're inevitably going to lose some folks. 
And then for sure, we're going to add some folks too. So you got, we talked about Will Redman, um, the new player personnel GM. He kind of, he's going to kind of have a chance to earn some of his, uh, earn his stripes uh, for lack of, uh, you know, no pun intended. Uh, they earn some stripes uh, in the spring with his evals and guys that he can, little pieces that he can pick and add uh, and replace. Because again, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's college football. That's, that's college football now. You're going to lose some dudes after spring. So I'm pumped. We got our bug bounce back. DJ Durkin hire. That's a big hire. That's great for Auburn. Uh, and I am so ready for spring football. More more than, than I've been in, in a long, long time. So y'all have a great week. We'll see how what shakes out in the headlines uh, for the rest of the week. And we'll get back on Thursday uh, and, and keep the book going. Hopefully we got a big basketball win. We can talk about a bounce back win uh, that we can talk about, and uh, we'll just keep it rolling. So uh, I appreciate it. This is episode 14 of the Top Button Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay buttoned.